We're in a little, uh, we've been going through the book of Romans, and uh, we're continuing to go through the book of Romans. Well, we come to this wonderful chapter in Romans chapter uh, 8, and we're in a series, Free at Last, No Condemnation in Christ. And, uh, you know, when you stop and you, you think about it, um, freedom is a wonderful thing. And thank God we live in a free country where our freedoms can be expressed every day. Um, And so with that in mind, I want you to turn your hearts to God's Word and look at Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If you've ever talked to someone who has lost their freedom, if you ever had the opportunity to visit someone in a jail cell, and uh, hopefully you weren't in the cell with them, you know, you're on the other side of the, the glass there, I, I trust. But just going to visit them gives you a sense of the loss of your freedom. You can't just wander in there anytime. You have to make an appointment. You have to go to a certain time. You can't take certain things with you. There's a, there's a wall between you and the other person of glass. You can only talk to them usually through a phone. It's not a pleasant experience. And when I've visited folks in the jail at times, I always walk out thinking, it's nice to be free. It's nice to be able to leave this place and go out and get in my car and drive away. Freedom is something that we need to make sure that we uh, cherish. Because everybody doesn't have freedom. There are parts of the world where people don't have the freedom to worship. They don't have the freedom to read a copy of God's own word. They don't have the freedom to have a copy of God's word. There's parts in the world where people don't have the freedom to be part of maybe the family they want to be part of. Freedom is something that is very, very precious to us. And we need to be Reminded of that. When you talk to someone who's been in prison <clears throat> or been in jail and they get out, you can, you can just sense a, 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 a lack of burden on their shoulders. I mean, they're, they're free. They can walk away from that prison. And they sense that freedom. Well, Entitled this little series, Free at Last, No Condemnation in Christ. And last week we just 
basically gave an introduction to this. Um, but it's important to understand that the verse that we read today, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, speaks to that freedom. Uh, you might say, well, what are we free, to, free from? What's the big deal about freedom? Well, the Bible tells us that because Christ died, because he lived a perfect life for 30-some years and died on a cross as a, a perfect sacrifice, and that on the third day he rose from the grave, that he has given us the opportunity to have freedom. Freedom from what? Well, first of all, freedom from the penalty of sin. Freedom from the penalty of sin. Wouldn't it be nice to know that you could drive wherever you want to in Redwood City and drive however you want and you'd never get a ticket? You wouldn't have to <clears throat> hit the brake when you see the officer sitting at the corner like so many of us do. <laughs> And then look in the rear view, is he coming after me? <laughs> See, there's a penalty in our society when the law is broken. And it's the same thing with God. There's a penalty when his law is broken. We call that sin. You don't hear that word very much today, but you do hear. And it's something that's very real. And we all deal with it. It's part of every one of our lives. Just because we are believers, just because we're Christians, it doesn't mean that we don't experience a battle as we have just seen in Romans chapter 7 with sin. Because we do. And I would challenge you to say, if you're sitting here today and you say, oh no, as a Christian, I never have any issues with sin. I live perfectly. Unfortunately, I'd have to call you a liar. Well, it wouldn't be me calling you a liar. It would be the Bible calling you a liar because he, who says, he says he was without sin, okay, is, is lying because we all deal with that. And so we're all dealing with a penalty because of our sin, and it's so incredibly wonderful that God has provided a way out of bearing that penalty ourselves, that he provided a Savior. He provided his Son, the perfect sacrifice, to die in our place for our sin. But that's not all that we are free from as believers. We're also free from the power of sin. And we've talked about that extensively. We're free from the ability of sin to make us its taskmaster. After you become, after you come to Christ and you trust him for the sacrifice you trust his sacrifice for your sin, you, you have to remember that, you know what? He has given you the power for the first time. You can turn this down, I think, or some, something's really hot. He's given you the power for the first time to be free from the power of sin. For the first time in your life as a Christian, as someone who's been transformed by the power of God, you have the ability to say, you know what, sin? I don't have to do what you are telling me to do anymore. By the power of your spirit, I'm going to say, no, thank you. <laughs> the Bible says that God's always faithful. He's going to provide a way out 
of our temptations. We're all faced with temptations, beloved. We're, I mean, we live in a sick world, right? We're all faced with temptations every day. But what do we do with those temptations? We don't have to give in. We don't have to say, well, I guess I just got to sin because that's what, I, you know, that's what I'm being led to do. No, you have the ability in Christ to be free from the power of the slave, the enslavement of sin. And you can trust God and his spirit to fill you and to live a victorious Christian life. I don't know about you, but that, that's a blessing. That's something that you should be going, hallelujah. That we don't have to be under the, the penalty and the power of sin any longer. That in Christ, we're a new creature in Christ. And that he has given us the ability to live a life that is worthy of the calling for which we're called. Christ is sufficient for our salvation. He's sufficient for our daily living in the Christian walk each and every day. We have to be reminded of that because the world's not going to tell you that. The world's going to tell you just the opposite. The world's going to tell you, yeah, okay, you can have your little faith in Jesus, but you know what? You still need all this stuff over here because, well, Jesus can't handle that. That's a lie. That's a lie. So we're free from the penalty of sin. We're free from the power of sin. And then, praise God, one day we will be free from the presence of sin. One day we'll be standing in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we will be removed from all sin. That's going to be a glorious day. I'm looking forward to that day because I don't know about you, but I struggle with sin every day. It's something that's, that's just part of who I am. I understand that. I love what John Owen said in his book, The Mortification of Sin. Sin is not something that we do. It's who we are. And we need to be reminded of that. Because it's very easy to point our fingers as believers, as Christians, at people who are not in Christ and look down our righteous noses and condemn them. I think we need to be careful. I think God's perfectly capable, His Word is perfectly capable of, of telling us who's condemned and who's not. But we need to show them the love of Christ. We need to reach out with, to them with the gospel of Christ. We need to re, be reminded that, you know what, except by the grace of God, there go I. So what are we free from? We're free from the penalty of sin. We're free from the power of sin. We're free from the presence of sin. Well, let's let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. This is an incredible chapter, and this is just an even more incredible verse. And you notice there, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We all sin as believers. You know, we've all seen the bumper sticker. Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. That's That's true. We're not perfect. We don't walk on water. We don't live sinlessly. But the wonderful thing is our sins are covered by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we do sin as Christians, at times the enemy can come and stir up doubts about our salvation. Have you ever been there? I have. How do you know all your sins are forgiven? True Christians don't do what you just did. You're hopeless. You might as just admit 
your hypocrisy and claiming to be a Christian and quit trying to be holy because you're not. See, all those messages come rushing in the moment that we fail, the moment that we sin, the moment that we falter. And see, it's to those issues that Paul is addressing his readers here in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He wants them to understand that God has graciously set them free from sin's penalty, from sin's power, and ultimately they'll be free from the mere presence of sin. Now there's a couple words that I want you to understand today. As we look at this, the reality of freedom, as we look at the idea that we we are not condemned in Christ, this verse starts off, and it says, there is therefore. Any Bible student to tell you, well, as soon as you see the word therefore, you have to what? Figure out why it's therefore, right? And that's exactly what we need to do. And usually in most contexts, you just jump back a couple verses and you say, oh, okay, that's why it's there. In this case, that's not necessarily true. I think when he says therefore, he's not referring to chapter 7. I mean, he just got done talking about struggling with sin, and Paul's saying, man, the things I want to do, I I, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing, you know, oh, wretched man, he's kind of sharing his heart with us. As a mature believer, he's acknowledging his lack of ability to, to do what's right at times. I don't think he's necessarily referring just to those couple verses Before that, I think he's saying, you know what? Based on what I just told you in the first seven chapters of Romans, I need you to understand because of that, because you have been justified in your walk before God by your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, because God has made you righteous. Because God has given you justification. He's, he's justified you in His presence because of the sacrifice of Christ. Because of that, because you were willing, we can go all the way back to Romans 3, the beginning of the book of Romans. And you remember the beginning of our study through Romans. I had to keep on telling you. I mean, some of you would come up to me after a couple of weeks and go, man, are we ever going to stop talking about how sinful we are? When are we going to get the good news? Well, we're finally getting the good news. We're getting the good news. But you remember back when we were talking about all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That there's none righteous. No, not one. See, you have to acknowledge that in your heart before you can come to the justification, before God can give you the righteousness of Christ. You have to be willing to come before a holy God and say, you know what? God, you're holy. I'm not. And I'm standing before you condemned to hell and rightfully so because of my sin. And I know that I can't save myself. I need to to be saved. I need a savior. You have to cross that bridge before salvation is a reality in your life. Before this freedom that we're talking about can become a reality in your life. You have to come before God as a broken sinner. And like the man in the New Testament, raise your hands and beat your chest and say, God, just be merciful to me, a sinner. Please save me. And 
And so Paul says, basically, based on what I just told you in the first seven chapters, therefore, that word relates to the result of consequence in relationship to our justification by faith alone. That we're saved by faith. We're saved by grace. We're saved by a Savior. We don't save ourselves. How many of us can look back on our lives and we live lives as religious people? And we'd work hard every, every week to go to church or to, to do some ritual, some tradition that somehow we thought was going to make us more godly. It doesn't work that way. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift. So that you don't go around boasting that you saved yourself. That's my paraphrase, but that's what it says. You can look it up. So let's look at the comprehensive nature of our freedom. The comprehensive nature of our freedom. He says, therefore, no condemnation. Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That word condemnation is an interesting word. It appears only in the book of Romans here in chapter 5, verse 16, and in chapter 5, verse 18. 5, 16, he says this, and the, the free gift is not like the result of, of that man, one man's sin, for the judgment following trespass brought condemnation, but the gift following the trespass brought justification. And then he says in verse 18, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And then it's used here in our text. What does this mean, this word? It has the idea that it relates to somebody being sentenced for a crime. That's really what it's saying. It has the idea of someone being sentenced for a crime. And it has the emphasis really placed on the verdict and the punishment. We see this all the time in our court system. You can watch Judge Judy and see this. I was going to say Judge Wapner, but I don't don't even know if he's around anymore date myself but what does it say it says first of all that you know what we don't have to fear a trial as believers we don't have to be fearful of a trial i know that if i was arrested for driving erratically and it got to the point where maybe i hurt somebody i would be arrested and and i'd be put in jail (laughs) and i would have to await a trial if bail wasn't granted well you know what The glorious thing of our relationship with God because of Christ is that we don't have to fear a trial. Do you understand that Jesus has already stood trial for us? Amen? I mean, he's he's done that. He's taken that away. As Christians, we no longer have that fear of a trial hanging over our heads. Some of you know I used to work with the DA's office down in Riverside County, and for the first Probably 13 weeks when I got hired, I was totally naive. I had a degree in criminology, but I had no experience in police work, nothing. I just, I just liked to watch the show Cops, and I thought, boy, this is going to be a cool job. 
So I showed up at the office and they said the first day, well, you know, what am I going to do? I had to fill out all this paperwork. And they said, you got to hurry up because at noon you've got to go over to the courthouse. And our offices in India was right across from the courthouse. And I said, well, what am I going to do? And they, you're going to watch a court case. I said, really? This should be cool. And it was, a, it was an inter- I mean, it was murder. It was an interesting court case. And I sat there for 13 weeks watching this court case. Once in a while, they'd tell me, hey, go over to the office and get this thing, get this, you know, bring this back. And I'd do that, but I just sat there. They paid me to watch it. It was like watching TV, you know, it was great. But it was in real life. I mean, I was just, you know, wow, I just couldn't believe God allowed that opportunity. And I remember one time I was leaving the courthouse, and this one man was just, he just looked like he was beside himself. And my pastoral heart came out, and I went over, and I said, are you all right? And he looked at me, and goes, oh, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. He goes, I'm just, I'm just really worried. I said, well, what, what are you worried about? I got a trial. I don't have money for a lawyer. So they're going to give me some public defender. I, he doesn't even know me. He's not even here yet. And this, this guy was truly just frightened because of his pending having to go before and stand before a judge. I praise God every day, beloved, that we do not have to worry about being tried for our sins. Christ has already been tried, and he's already taken care of it. And we need to put our faith, our trust in him. Secondly, not only do we have to worry about a trial, we don't have to worry about a sentence. You know, if you've you've ever watched a trial take place and you've followed it through to the end... You know, people think that, well, once they're pronounced guilty, that's the end. Oh, no. That's kind of the beginning of the end. Because then they have a sentencing hearing. Sometimes it goes on, can go on for quite a while, depending on the circumstances of the trial. And so they make it through the trial only to have to go through (laughs) the sentencing. Think about it. We don't have to face a sentence. Christ has paid for our sins. He's already received our sentence when he died on the cross. And then the third thing that this speaks to is the idea of no punishment. The Bible says very clearly, by his stripes we are healed. I don't think that's speaking of physical healing clearly or we'd never be sick. It's talking about spiritual healing. It's talking about coming to God and realizing that, you know what? Your heart is scarred by the baggage that you've had to come through to your, in your life up until this point. We all have a life experience that we come out of. Some of it's good, some of it's not so good. And that life experience can reach over and even as Christians control us to the point where we're doing things that are not glorifying, not honoring to Christ. And rather than say, you know what? Yeah, it's sin. What do we do? Well, it's because of this. See, in a way, we're being punished. And in Christ, you have to understand that we have been healed from that. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand, you know, if you've been brought up in a tough childhood, that that's going to have consequences and it's going to affect you. That's very, they're really very real effects that, that, that cause people to have issues in life. I understand that, but I need you to understand more than that, that Christ is sufficient to meet your needs. Don't allow Satan to trick you into using that as an excuse to act how you want over here. 
Because we all know what that's called. That's called sin. And that's not something that God wants us to be doing and to honor Him in our lives. That can't be part of who we are. But as we look at this this passage, he says here very clearly that there is therefore now no condemnation. We don't have to fear a trial. We don't have to fear a sentence. We don't have to fear any punishment. And that speaks to the comprehensive nature. That word no there means basically absolutely not. There is no way that there's going to be any condemnation for those who are in Christ. I always tell believers, if you're feeling condemned, you're probably hanging out with the wrong Christians. Because you know what? We're the worst at that. We're the worst at shooting our wounded. We're the worst at condemning somebody who's, in our view, not living up to our standard. We have to be careful with that. God has spoken clearly on these issues. And the word of God is very clear. But we also have to be realistic with our own lives. Jesus said, hey, you know what? You might want to check your own eye before you go out and uh, try to pick a, a splinter out of somebody else's eye. I loved what, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was John MacArthur. I heard him in a message and he said, you know, I need to be more concerned with the sin in my own heart than the sin in somebody else's heart. And that's a very real statement. And we need to make sure that we're understanding that and we're living that out. But the complete nature of our freedom, that word no, it's, it, it's emphatic. It's, it's basically a negative adverb of time. It carries the idea of complete cessation. It stops. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Jesus completely and permanently paid the debt of sin and the penalty of the law. He was sufficient for our salvation. That's a wonderful thing. That we don't have to grab around over here in the dirt trying to save ourselves. That we don't have to worry about maybe condemnation down the pike. If we step out of line. No, we're, we're free in Christ. And we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to make sure that we remind others of that. The penalty or the condemnation for sin is something that God has made very, um, very clear. The Bible says in chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. Sin has a price. Don't ever think, well, I'm getting away with it. No, you're not. You're not getting away with it. God sees exactly what you're doing. You can't hide it from him. You may hide it from everybody else. I think even us as Christians, sometimes we're good at hiding it even from ourselves. But he says there in in verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but listen, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, what a wonderful statement. I love the butts of of, of Scripture, you know. When I come to a butt, I'm just like, man, I'm excited. For the wages of sin is death, 
But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, I don't need to pay for my salvation. It's already paid for. Have you ever gone somewhere that's maybe fancy? Maybe it's a vacation, or maybe it's a night in a hotel, or maybe it's a nice meal, and someone else treated you? I mean, doesn't that make it all? Doesn't that make it good? You know, I mean, you know... I mean, unless you're like me, then sometimes you're kind of worried, well, what, what do I order off the menu? I don't want to, you know, insult. I remember a dear brother in our church took, took the leadership out for dinner one time. And we went to a really, really fancy restaurant locally. And I thought, oh, man, this is going to be awkward, you know. You're looking at the menu and you're going to be going, oh, you know, steak's 55 bucks. I can't, you know. So you're looking for this, you know, I'll have a baked potato, please, you know. <laughs> you know, and they want to bless you, but you feel awkward, you know. I think we all would. We get there, and I'm like, this is weird. There's no, there's no, there's no prices on this menu. <laughs> Our dear brother just blessed us, and he said, you know what? I don't want anybody to worry about it. You order whatever you want because it's paid for. See, that's what Christ did. He paid for our sin. He's offering, God is offering us a free gift. So we can have eternal life. It carries the idea that, no, you know what? It's, it's completely done. It's, it's the nature of our freedom. Complete nature of our freedom. And then you look at the cleansing nature of our freedom. And this is really where we, we need to stop and begin to examine our own hearts because we're, we're going to be preparing our hearts for communion But the cleansing nature of our freedom is, it says, there is therefore now, now, no condemnation. In Christ, literally, we are cleansed. We are cleansed from our sin. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, what? He is faithful. He's just to forgive us our sins. And what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, I love how God says that. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from the sins you confessed. It doesn't say that. It says, no, He's faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even if somehow maybe you're not confessing a sin, you know what? That's covered too in Christ. Isn't that great? That's a wonderful Wonderful message. And I think that we need to be reminded of that. That God wants us to be clean in Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. God assures His children that if anyone sins, we have, what? An advocate with the Father. We have... A mediator with the Father. We have someone that's going to stand before the Father and defend us. Who is it? Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation or the the satisfaction for our sins. We don't have to go anywhere else. We don't have to try to work harder to earn our salvation. No, Christ paid for it. It's done. 
it's over. He says, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. You know what that verse means to me? That I can walk out these doors and I can go down somewhere in Redwood City and I can find someone who doesn't know Christ and hasn't heard the gospel and I can explain the gospel to them. And you know what? This is good for them. They need to turn from their sin. They need to turn to Christ. But when they do, it's not like they're going to pull up to the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the gas pump and, and try to fill the car. I remember growing up in Pennsylvania, we had a gas pump on our property, literally. Like a regular gas pump. It was really cool because we had tractors and all kinds of stuff. Snowmobiles. And I remember one time I wanted to take my mini bike out. I was all excited. I thought I would put gas in. I went over there and nothing. The gas pump was empty. The tank was gone. There was no gas coming out of the whole tank. That's never going to happen to us when we come to Christ. When we come back to him and say, Lord, I blew it. Please forgive me. He's never going to say, oh, sorry. No more grace for you. Nope. Not going to happen. And please look at the end of this verse. It says, you know what? This is only available. This is exclusive. This freedom is exclusive. This freedom doesn't apply to everybody. It says that this freedom is for those, this freedom from condemnation is for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. So if you're here today and you're not in Christ Jesus, you haven't put your faith, your trust in Christ, you haven't gone before a holy God and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. You don't have this freedom. I mean, think if you walked into the jail cell and the person on the other side of the glass, you had the authority, you were the judge, and you just slipped a piece of paper through the glass and it said, you know what? Yeah, I broke the law. Sorry. Sign your name. If you sign this, you know what? You're free to go. You mean I'm just free? Yeah. Just put your name there under your admission of guilt, and then that's all I need. I'm the judge, and I'm going to let you go free. What fool would say, well, I'm not going to do that? <laughs> Wouldn't you be a fool if you turned down a deal like that? And yet people do it every day. God is simply extending his hand of grace. He's saying, look, all you have to do is admit. Admit you're a sinner. Admit that you need a Savior. Admit that my son is the Savior you need. And you know what? As a result of that, you're free. You're free. I trust today that our hearts have been blessed with God's word But it's important that we remember, because Paul, at the end of chapter 8, verse 31, says this, If God is for us, who can be against us? Who? It's a rhetorical question. Like, no one. If God is on our side, beloved, we don't have to worry. We don't have to fear men. We don't have to fear the criticism of mere man. We're standing on the truth 
of the infallible, inerrant word of God. We don't have to fear anything. We need to be reminded of that. See, it's time the church has woken up and been able to rally up and and, and is able to stand up on the truth for the glory of God. This isn't about us. This is for God's glory. God has already spoken on so many issues that we see in the paper daily. And I hear, well, let me say this. The silence has been deafening from Christian leaders. The silence has been deafening this past week to the point where I'm going, okay, wait a minute, let me... Let me look at this again, you know. Is this right? Is this really right? Because I'm not hearing people say that. We need to be reminded, beloved, that Christ is on our side. He is Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings. And He will forever reign. And we need to make sure that we are continuing and rallying around that message. Don't back down. Now, don't go out there and be a a jerk. You know, don't be some righteous, pious Christian that everybody hates. You be concerned about the sin in your, your own heart. We need to be concerned about the sin in our own heart. God will take care about the sin in somebody else's heart. But we need to take the message of the gospel for the glory of Christ to this lost and dying world in which we live. If we don't, who? Who Who's going to do it? Father, we thank you for our time this morning where we pray that you would bless your word. We thank you that there is... Therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus.